Episode 65, Bonus Edition, Interview with Brad Zupp. Educators, is your passion tank running on empty? Look no further. Gretchen of Always a Lesson has a double dose of just what you need. Come fill yourself up with an empowering educators podcast to start your day feeling empowered. Hi, Elite Educators. This is Gretchen from Always a Lesson. And whether you're teaching a lesson or you're learning one yourself, this podcast is for you. Well, today is a very special episode. It is part of our bonus edition series where I interview educators and those who influence the world of education. And I want to introduce you to a fantastic person known as Brad Zuck. So he's an entertaining motivational speaker, and you're going to hear that come through in the interview today. But he focuses on memory improvement. He's actually an expert who resides in New York. And since 2009, he's dedicated himself to really testing the limits of his own memory. And you'll hear this cool story he shares with you of how this all even developed. But because of that one experience, he now works with adults and children, specifically in school settings, how to supercharge their memory. And then, of course, that improves grades. It improves their relationships, productivity. They have a peace of mind. All about remembering not just facts, but things that they see or they hear or that they read. So educators, tune in because this is definitely going to have an impact on the way you present information. It unlocked a lot of mystery for me in terms of how I struggled as a learner and tips and tricks to overcome that as well. But what is really cool about Brad, and we don't dive into it too much in this episode, but I do want you to know that he is a memory sports competitor. I didn't even know there was such a thing. That is so cool. And he's so good at it that he has gotten two bronze and one silver medal at a competition and then even set an American record at the World Memory Championships. Goodness gracious. Plus, he was the co-captain of Team USA and helped them earn a silver medal at the World Memory Championships in China, and that was in 2015. So he knows what he's talking about, and he his journey is pretty interesting, and the world of education just easily flows into his experiences and his knowledge base. So I can't wait to, for you to tune in and hear our conversation that we have, and take away some of the techniques he shares and implement it immediately into your classroom. Okay, so before I pull back the curtain and allow you to join in on this conversation, I do want to warn you. So I normally record these conversations over Skype, and for some reason my computer would allow me to connect with Brad, and then it would just shut down over and over to the point that I wasted almost an hour of this man's time trying to connect But he was so patient and kind, and that just shows you the type of character that Brad has, which just makes me a fan for life. But I eventually was able to connect over the phone. So the recording is not ideal, but thank goodness you are not listening to this podcast to have amazing audio. You are listening for the amazing content, which he definitely brings. So bear with us on this tech travesty (laughs) 
that doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, that's what happens. Expect the unexpected and we rolled with it and I'm not going to hold back. This is real life and I can't wait for you to hear what he has to say. So let's tune in. Well, hey, Brad, go ahead and start for me and share and explain to everyone what interested you in reaching out to me so that we could empower educators today. I am passionate about helping educators and students learn how to make education easier for all parties. And honestly, the biggest compliment I receive after I do a presentation is when people come up to me and say, oh, you know, are you a former teacher? That's the biggest compliment I can get <laughs> because the idea that someone might think that I'm a teacher uh, is, is just huge to me. So if I can help teachers in return, that's, that's what I'm all about. I love that. And we certainly love someone who cares about their topic of passion but doesn't make it an awful death by PowerPoint presentation. So we are very happy to hear you make it easy and applicable, and we can't wait to hear what you have to say. So with that said, why don't you just fill us in real quick. You know, what are you doing as your current day job? My current day job is I go into schools as a arts and education presenter and make learning how to remember better fun and easy for grades 3 through 12. I'm starting to do some college, and I also do corporate events and stuff like that. But probably about half of what I do is, is going into schools and presenting about how to improve, how to remember more of what we see, hear, and read. So it's not just about memorizing facts. It's right. really about bringing focus and using our natural memory talents to remember better. And if that's a fact, that's great. And if it's just the teacher says whatever, that's important to be remembered as well. And so what got you into, one, memory, but two, really wanting to go into schools to share this information? Well, first, uh, memory. When I was, when I was in my early 20s, I was working in Japan, and I really felt compelled to learn the language because I was going to be there for six months. So before I went over, I took a, a book from the, um, the local college uh, bookstore, uh, basically a textbook on you know how to speak Japanese. And also, I knew that you know, I'd studied French in school, and it wasn't easy to learn, so I figured I, I needed some help. So I, I, I just went to the bookstore and asked, how, how can I you know, remember languages better? And they said, well, how about a book about memory? So I took a book about memory and a book about Japanese language. And I sat down when I got over there, and I just started. I read the memory book and how, specifically the, the chapter about how to remember languages. And then I opened the textbook, and I started teaching myself to speak Japanese. And of course I had you know, hundreds of thousands of teachers all around me or people I could practice with. And I just did what, it's kind of like cooking. I just followed the recipe and I made a wonderful dish. I could actually speak the language. And I started memorizing 50 to 100 vocabulary words a day. And it came easy to me because I was using these techniques I'd never heard of before. Um, so I learned how to speak Japanese. Fast forward in 20, 20 years or so, and I, I hit 40, and I started walking into rooms and forgetting why I'd come in there. And uh, <laughs> I'd always had a bad memory for people's names and for numbers as well. 
and that just got worse when I hit 40. And I thought, if this is 40, what's it going to be like at 50, 60, 70, or 80? Right. So I thought, you know what? I wonder if I still have that book. And I'm a bookworm, so I went to kind of like the old books. Like, I haven't looked at these in a while. And it was that book. And I took it out, and I thought, I wonder if I could use this to become better at memory in my old age now in my 40s. And could an ordinary guy improve his memory? And I reread it. And I threw myself into it because I didn't want to be one of those people that was really scatterbrained in, in his 40s or 50s. And uh, it worked. <laughs> I could remember better. And I kind of I got bitten by the bug. I started memorizing decks of cards and numbers and meeting people and remember names. And it, it became kind of a hobby slash passion for me. And I was doing another arts and education show, which I which I still do, which is about personal finance, because I'm also a former financial planner. And I thought, you know what? Kids today need this, because when I was in school, I really struggled with math and science, because I just mm-hmm. I didn't like those subjects, and it, it didn't stick in my mind. And You're it, a financial was, planner, and you didn't like math? <laughs> the, yeah, the numbers. I've always been math-phobic. Now, thankfully, what I was helping people with with numbers was, was less about numbers and more about investment strategies than the actual numbers. Okay. <laughs> and we have calculators these days. But I and 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 I've learned to overcome that as well. When as as a financial planner, I did overcome a lot of my math phobia. But I thought, you know, kids today need this. If I were back in fourth grade or fifth grade struggling with math or struggling with science, and I had a chance to see an assembly, what would I want? And I want someone who can come in and say, this is how you can do it better and easier. So I put together a show, and it took about three years to do that because I felt like. To do it in school, first of all, I had to be able to demonstrate that I could do it well. And doing it well and demonstrating you can do it well are two completely different things. Right. <laughs> As a teacher, I'm sure you know, you can know a subject, mm-hmm. and, but teaching that subject and imparting it is a different beast than actually Amen. knowing content. Amen. We have, to know, we have to learn how to present it well. We have to learn the, the right words to use, the right order. is different than knowing something ourselves. So I got to the point where I could do uh, several memory demonstrations on stage in front of an audience without freaking out and without bombing. <laughs> and then I, I thought, well, this is interesting, but it's still kind of boring. So then I had to create ways to make it fun and interesting for everybody, whether people struggled with their memory or not. So I threw in some juggling things and some storytelling, some comedy and things like that to spice it up, and that's what I do today. So interesting. So first, I want to ask if you can say something to us in Japanese. Lo, <laughs> <laughs> these many years later. It's been since 1996 <laughs> since I was in Japan, but I can say, Konnichiwa, genki desu ka, which is, hello, how are you? And once in a while, I'll wake up and go, I think that dream was in Japanese. Oh, no, really? <laughs> yeah. So I haven't been back, uh, but I was I was fluent for several years in it. And it's still there. I'd have to review it to bring it back. Yeah. I just, uh, I just think that there are so many, so many easier ways for us to learn than reading it again. Because that's, that's what I heard a lot in school, and I think kids still get that, especially not so much from teachers. I think teachers know these days that if a kid isn't getting it, we need to 
we need to present them with a different style of learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of parents will be like, oh, just read it again. Like, just have you have you have you have you reviewed it? Have you read it again? And honestly, if if you don't get it the first time reading it, sometimes you know if it's not a subject you detest, sometimes you get it the second time through, maybe the third time through. But after the third time through, kids I've found are just bored and demoralized. Like I've read this chapter or this paragraph three times. I don't get it. I'm not going to suddenly have an epiphany here by reading it right. the 12th time. And they don't want to. And they get they struggle, they get demoralized, and that's what turns them off on a subject or, or school. So when they're stuck on something, I think it's it's up to teachers and, and parents to say, okay, why is this kid stuck on this? And is there a way that I can present it differently that might explain that? And I think our teachers do a wonderful job with that conceptually, maybe not as well with the actual remembering of it. Yeah, and I think the better that a kid can express, this is why it's confusing to me or this is why I don't get it, it helps the teacher say, okay, now I know what angle to take because you've pinpointed why this isn't working for you or why it's not translating to you. So I think it's working in combination with the kids and the teachers to be able to figure each other out to provide those multiple avenues, but I agree just rereading something over and over isn't going to help. You need to ditch that book, get a new one so you can read it in a new way. Exactly. And that, what you said, opens up a whole whole new can of worms, like, you know, is there enough classroom time to have that conversation with the child, and is that particular child able to express him or herself well enough to to say this is where I'm stuck or how I'm stuck so the teacher, if she or he has time to to kind of diagnose and say, oh, okay, so we need to do that this way for you. That's that's a whole that's a whole different uh, podcast topic, I guess. Yeah, it totally is. I was just thinking. We call it metacognition, so it's thinking about your thinking. And mm-hmm. we don't rarely do that as adults, but we don't teach our kids to do that. So they're like, I don't get it. Okay, why? Well, I I don't know. I just don't get it. You know, we haven't taught them how to do that. But you're right. We could go on for that for a while. <laughs> But I wanted to ask you, you were saying you were doing some um, different exercises during a demonstration. I certainly don't want you to give away all your secrets, but give us an example of something that you would showcase to students about memory when you're doing a presentation. Oh, sure. And and I tell kids in, in, the, in the presentations that unlike a magician who never reveals his secrets, mm-hmm. the whole show is about revealing my, my so-called secrets because it's, that's, that's how you're going to learn. One of the things I do in the beginning is I talk about, uh, just briefly touch on how hard it is to remember names. And I, we, we moved a lot. My dad was a vice president of a corporation. He was sent to basically fix the different uh, branches. So mm-hmm. whenever a branch was fixed, it was, well, let's send him to a different one that needs help. So right. I moved to different schools a lot. And one of the most embarrassing thing was, things was not knowing my classmates' names. Not mm-hmm. just, the, you know, in the first part of September, but kids don't go up to each other and say, hi, my name is, nice to meet <laughs> you, where are you from? You know, you just kind of have to pick up a name. And I remember once in third grade as a new school, but I'd been there all year. It was late spring, and the teacher asked me to hand out papers that had been graded. I didn't know my Oh, classmates. no. <laughs> so embarrassing. I was... I hold the piece of paper and I say, oh, you know, Johnny, you got you to gotta be. And I'd you know, look up and see who seemed excited or disappointed <laughs> by a B, and that was probably Johnny. So um, so I talk about 
names and how important names are when when you're a kid or when you're an adult. And then I, as the kids stream in with their classmates pre uh, before the show, I'll take a whole class and I'll memorize the 20 or 30 kids' names or or more given how much time they go in. So I have everybody's name, everybody that I introduced myself to and, and got their name. I'll have them stand up and they'll be between 30 and 60 kids standing, and then I'll say, all oh, right, you know, imagine if you were at the first day of camp or the first day at a, your basketball tryouts or first your, your first job in several years, and you met all these people and could go down the line and go, okay, you're Gretchen, you're this, you know, and I name them all. And, of course, the teachers are, are blown away that in, you know, five to ten minutes I met 50 to 60 kids and memorize their names. And the kids are impressed, too, because they see that, wow, this is something he did right in front of us. Yeah, And wow. he's going to show us how to how to apply that, which is not all that applicable to kids' lives in, you know, in, in third and fourth grade, but it's the same concept. We can use the same memory concepts to do names, to do foreign languages, to pay more attention to what the teacher's saying. They're the same concept. So... That's one thing I do. And then another one is I have the kids. Um, the last couple of years I've done a 40-digit number, so I have 20 kids give me a two-digit number that they make up, mm-hmm. so anything between 00 and 99. And I type it into my laptop, and it shows up on the projector screen. And then I take about 10 to 15 seconds to memorize that number and um, close my eyes and recall it for them. So, it's an, again, another thing they see, it's done right there in front of them. There's no tricks involved, and then we talk about how to remember numbers easier, too. So I really related to you when you said you couldn't remember things, but now I'm feeling like, okay, I cannot relate to being able to recite that many people's names or digits. So really, how do I overcome such an obstacle to show that growth that you yourself have kind of gone on in your journey? Well, I think it, it, it's kind of like having a – a guest musician come in and present and going, well, I, I play the piano, but not like mm-hmm. that. You know, we don't right. necessarily have to get to the level of the expert. My whole thing is I can't really get anybody from zero to 100, but if I can get you from zero to one or two while I'm, while I'm there doing a presentation or while you're reading my book or, you know, looking at tips on my website or something, and then inspire, whether it's a kid or an adult, to, to start that journey of discovery, that's, that's what I think. And just the, the journey of discovery is going, okay, I, I, I struggle to remember in certain areas, where, where am I having the most trouble? And is there anything I can do, a couple of little baby steps, to, to prove to myself <laughs> that I can actually remember better. Because if, right. if we have an initial success, whether it's with a, a sport or learning a new math, a way to do a new, like even the younger kids, you know, when they first do an easy division problem, they go, oh, I can do this. That's a lot better than giving them, you know, divide 452 by, you know, 93. <laughs> they go, what? Right. I have no idea what's going on. You know, we start easy. So um so that's that's the thing. And for me it's it's figuring out and helping people figure out, you know, where where are you being tripped up? Because when I first started this journey I thought remembering was just one moment in time. We either remembered or we forgot, right? That's that's what 
what's what's the answer? I don't know. I forgot. Um, I must not be a good student. This is what happens to a lot of kids. Remembering those three steps, first we have to get the information. So some kids or some adults aren't able to pay attention, aren't paying attention. They hate the class. They're sitting in the back when they should be sitting in the front or vice versa. They're sitting next to their best friend, which is always a downside. Uh, or maybe they're not sitting by their best friend who's a real support, and it's a, it's a bonus. So they're not getting the information. You know, if, you, if the kid never hears, hey, make sure you get this permission slip signed and return it, they're never going to return it. Because, and did they forget that? No, they just didn't hear it. So obviously getting the information and focusing is the, probably the most important step. But the next step up the ladder, once you're the, up the stairs, once you get the information, you really have to save it. And there's certain ways that our brain is more receptive to memories. So if we're not organizing our minds, if it's not saved well, it's not going to stick in there. And the last step before we get the prize of remembering is recall. And sometimes we have students or, or us as, as grown-ups where we blank out and there's specific reasons why that may be happening. So really, you know, we talk about, you talked about the metacognition, the thinking about the thinking. That's where I recommend teachers go first is if a, if a child, if a student is consistently having trouble, especially like with a, with a particular subject, is to talk to them and say, you know, here are the steps to remembering where you think you're having trouble. You know, are you, do you study, you get the information, you're obviously listening during class, I see that. Are you, you know, you're studying, you're doing your homework, yes. But then you come to class and we have a quiz and you do so poorly, what's going on? Well, maybe she's not getting enough sleep. Maybe she's stressed. Maybe she has a parent who's saying, oh, boy, if you do well on that test, we'll be able to go to Disney World. And if you don't, I don't know, and putting undue pressure. So when she sits down right. to take the test, she's blanking where she leaves your classroom in the hallway, she goes, oh, oh, and that's the answer to that one, and that's the answer to that mm-hmm. I know the answer is now, but not when I'm taking the test. So is there test anxiety? Or is she going, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm paying attention, and, and then it just goes south from there. Then you can say, well, let's talk about organizing the information. So it's really, you know, figuring out, um, which is so much of the teacher's job, figuring out where the problem lies and saying, okay, well, here's a strategy to fix that. I love that. I'm just thinking about myself here. I freeze sometimes when I'm put on the spot to recall names of things, whether it's, oh, I saw this show or that person's name or turn on this road. And then you're right. As soon as the conversation's over, I remember every detail. But when you put me on the spot, it's like my brain shuts down. So I think it's also helpful to share as a teacher those things you struggle with and share your story to not only make you relatable, but to share strategies of how you've overcome, you know, some of those things or, you know, if the student is really anxious about the test, here's some strategies that help me calm down before, you know, my big moment and, you know, not making them feel like they're alone in this. Mm -hmm. And I think our teachers are doing a great job with all of these kind of on on an unconnected basis. So I think teachers, you've you've been well – taught and you've had experience in, okay, that kid obviously is having, you know, some, some test-taking anxiety. Okay, I can help with that. I, I have solutions for that. 
this kid is obviously not paying attention. I can, we can move her to the front of the class, or we can do this, or let's have a conversation during parent-teacher night about plenty of sleep and things like that. I don't think that um, we've, we've been instructing our teachers on how to put them all together specifically around memory. So okay. I think it's kind of a piecemeal solution. But if teachers can look at this as there are definite steps to remembering. I mean, look at you know, look at your life, and you see that okay, yeah, that's that's it. I'm put on the spot. That's my big problem with names. I'm put on the spot. When I was in Japan, I'd I'd learn all these words, and I'd come up with like, oh, like you know what? I could say that when you know when I'm doing a presentation, and they might think that's funny, or they might think it's clever, and I'd go out on on stage and go to say the word or the phrase that I could say very well off stage, and there'd just be this block mm-hmm. where I, it wouldn't come out. And that's that that's that third step. That's that recall. You know, it's in my mind. I've got it. And I'd go, and I'd have to just go right on because <laughs> I wouldn't have, it, it, it hasn't moved its way from, that part of my brain into the forefront onto my tongue. So that, that phrase, you know, it, it's on the tip of my tongue. Right. It's, it's so, so perfect because it is. It's just it's just right there, but it can't come out. And it takes, you know, um, working through the stress and also just the practice of taking a test or, learning, okay, you know, when I get out on the stage and I try to say this thing for the first few times, it's going to be tough, but I'm going to keep at it because probably for me it was about the fourth or fifth time I tried, somehow I managed to, to, you know, spit it out and it would would come out. So I don't know if that helps any, but another great thing I think for teachers is to, once they understand this whole process that, that, that memory is three steps and there's specific solutions for each step is being able to explain that to the kids and and then being able to ask kids, well, how are you going to remember that? And not necessarily always ask it rhetorically, but to say, okay, Gretchen, we just covered, you know, whatever the the area of a parallelogram. How are you going to remember that? Hmm, that it's base times height. And and have Gretchen go, oh, seriously, you want me to tell you? I don't know. <laughs> but, but that makes Gretchen go, hmm, how am I going to remember that, you know, the area of, of a parallel, parallelogram is base times height? And then that becomes a discussion that the whole class can benefit from. Yeah, I'm thinking you could almost have, we call them anchor charts. They're basically just pieces of paper that you post around the room, really informal that you can write on as you're learning. And I could almost picture myself saying, okay, how would you remember that? And let's say Johnny says, I would draw a picture or something. And I'd say, great, go put that on um, the chart over there, and that's one strategy. And how would someone else do it? And someone may say, I have to walk around the room and say it over and over and over to myself. Great, go put that on the chart, you know, and start collecting student strategies so that when they are stuck, hey, go look at our anchor chart and see if there's a way that will help you remember. And then we're kind of compiling all these tips and strategies. And I think that even motivates students of like, 
it's not supposed to be like this awful struggle. It's it's almost just problem solving how you learn and what's going to work and try it. If it doesn't work for you, try another approach until you can really figure yourself out. Yeah, and it becomes a community of learners. Right. It's not just I'm all by myself here in this row and I'm not getting it and I'm a loser and this is always going to be my life and I I hate, you know, fill in the blank subject. I hate math. I hate language. I hate whatever. <laughs> I hate the teacher because I'm not getting it. Whereas when you hear that someone else go, I, I don't know how to remember that or I do this way, huh, I wonder if I could try that. And I think that, you know, it's kind of like hacking learning. It's, it's yep. showing the kids that there are different ways. They see that there's five different uh, ways that their classmates come up with and go, okay, well, I have a way that's completely different than that. And that's okay because we're we're all, a lot of us seem to be learning different ways. So I'm cool. Yeah. <laughs> I've got even, and what I've seen and, and heard from, from teacher feedback is that, creates kind of a, a storm or a wave of kids going, well, this is how I remember it. And they get approval for their creativity and mm-hmm. for their their way of learning. And they realize that, you know, I, I do read something six times and it works for me. Five times doesn't, seven times is boring, but six times works. <laughs> or, you know, um, I need to I need to go home and I need to read the chapter again. If I can re- read it to my puppy, you know, while mom's cooking dinner, I got it because I'm, or I need to teach it to my little sister. I need to go to my big brother and say, I learned this today. Do you know, do you remember this from when you were in fifth grade? And that's what works for me. And teachers have said, you know, when, when, when I ask that, it gets kids thinking, okay, this is something obviously important to remember, which brings, brings the focus and attention. And then they figure out, okay, so that's, that's, Step one, and then step two is organizing it and saving the information, and kids save things in different ways. So, okay, I need to read it with my finger underneath the words, and I'll remember it better. Great, that's a tactile. Great, you got that. So they get encouragement for their style of, of learning and how they organize their mind, and they're thinking about how am I going to organize this information online. And then they get encouragement for recalling the material, because ideally you're saying, Okay, so how how does that how does drawing a picture of it help you remember um, a equals b times h? Oh, that's this way or whatever. So, mm-hmm. you know, Common Core is getting more and more away from memorizing facts, and mm-hmm. there's a debate about that, uh, which I don't think we need to get into. No. <laughs> so, you know, I don't think that it's not really about this is an example whether kids need to remember that the, what the formula for an area of a parallelogram is. But whatever it is, how are you going to remember the the most fun memory from your summer vacation? How are you going to remember all the things you learned this week? And that's another tip that I, I use for, for parents is I, I love your recent podcast about the H word, the homework. <laughs> And what what kind of didn't come up is is the 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 importance of review in memory, whether that's homework or or not. And when I help uh, adults or or kids with this, one big thing is it helps me. It helps my wife and I now with remembering things from our day is just to kind of reviewing the day. So if a child is struggling in math. Just to say, um, 
Okay, well, in Mrs. Bridger's class, you, you had math today. I know that's been kind of a tough class. What did you learn today? And, of course, the kid's answer is almost always nothing. Right. But if the if the parent is willing to stick with that and say, oh, uh, I understand that. So, but what did what did you know? What did you talk about? Were you, are you still on long division? Are you still on algebra? Are you still on aerial parallelograms and different you know cones or whatever? And have the kid then talk about, well, she was teaching me something about such and such. Just that scientists are finding that just bringing to mind something helps our minds go, ooh, okay, well, this is, I'm hearing this again. This might be important. I better, I better start transitioning this to long-term storage because I'm hearing this again, which is kind of like why we hear the latest Taylor Swift song and we remember the lyrics because we hear it 12 times on our commute mm-hmm. home. Yeah. And and then we're kind of singing it to ourselves as we're cooking or eating dinner, or we hear it again on YouTube, and it's stuck. It's stuck in there. But we can so we can purposely do the same thing with any subject, and that's just by you know having a dialogue with our our kids or our students about something we know they need to keep in memory, and having them tell us specifically and it's too you know there's too much going on in the day to say tell me everything that you studied in every class but we can pick out the one or two classes they're struggling in and say okay well you didn't have any homework okay that's fine whatever but tell me tell me what happened in that class what did she write on the board really now what do you remember anything that she wrote on the on the whiteboard and have the kid kind of close her eyes and say ah there was you know that that square thing that looks like it's falling over, it looks like it's a house that's about to fall over but doesn't have a roof, and it's a it's a pair something. You mean a parallelogram? Yeah, parallelogram. You know, kids can remember, we all remember pictures or things we see really well. So if we can ask it, our, our children, you know, what did you see on the whiteboard? What were the, what chapters did you study? What were the pictures in the book? That helps the mind say, this is important information, let's stick with it. Well, what I like about all of what you're saying is it's real-world application, and the kids can hear this and say, okay, I get, like, why I need to do this. I see how it fits my home life, my school life, my future, and that's really what I want out of this is that teachers say, okay, I, I don't want you to just memorize your math facts, but I do want you to learn habits to retain information because that's going to help you moving forward in your academic career, in your business life, whatever may come in your future. But these are, you know, real-life um, strategies that you can use in any scenario to ensure that whatever's coming in actually stays in and you prune out what you don't need anymore. But that could really take that anxiety away from a student to say, I can actually combat my poor memory if I teach myself these techniques to do so. And because of that, I don't have to know everything, but I just have to know how to access it or practice it a certain way so I can access it later. I think this is really powerful stuff. It really is. And it's just wonderful. You teachers know how wonderful it is that that moment when a kid gets something, whether it's how how to multiply fractions or whatever, is when the kid starts to get it, it's like, especially if they've struggled. It's just such a joy to behold. And it's the same with memory. When a a student 
feels like he, he doesn't remember. Well, and that's the, my thing is, you know, kids aren't thinking, I don't remember well. Kids are thinking, I'm dumb. I'm bad at school. I'm a bad student. They're not thinking, or I, I hate math, or I hate science, or I hate social studies, because, you know, I can't remember these things. But I don't really even think that the I can't remember it comes up. It's just I don't know it. Mm-hmm. And some things are very much conceptual, and that's I'd say the majority of what we're teaching kids in school is is conceptual. That's I mean, that's that's learning, you know, m- memory or memorizing is a small part of that. But that's why it's really important to figure out is this is this a memory problem or do they not understand the concept? And sometimes they don't understand the concept because they don't have the foundation of remembering previously like it's so hard to have a higher level conversation about the cause of world war ii on thursday if they don't remember who was in world war ii for monday (laughs) right or it's hard to discuss the the steps to whatever in math or science if they don't remember what they learned the day before so there are memory things that aren't memorizing that do need to happen. And, 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 and that's not all pull out that fact from memory. A lot of it is paying attention. And I think improving memory is kind of like teaching chess or teaching music instruction. You know, the, the music has its own benefits. The learning chess is, is important. But learning music, learning chess, learning certain other things, even even certain sports, helps to train the mind. You know, if you're in, say, probably a little bit like junior high or high school basketball and you're learning plays or football, you have to learn how to pay attention better. So there's some residual positive effects. The same with, with music, you know, that the studies that show that learning music helps the brain so much because you're learning to pay attention to the music teacher because you can't talk while the music teacher is trying to explain what you're going to do next. And you have to remember this, you have to remember that. And so there's there's a lot of different things that we've we've taught kids to do that help memory. And I'm trying to take that from let's do all these other things to help with memory and let's actually teach memory. Let's spend right. a day or an hour or a week teaching kids here are the concepts of memory and then go teach them the rest of the stuff so they have that foundation. So speaking of that, I know you shared with me, and I'm going to put it in the show notes so the audience can snag them, but you shared with me a report, 10 ways to supercharge your memory, and some tips on how to help children improve focus and memory. So tell us about those two resources. The one resource, the first one you mentioned, is for more for adults, but there's also games to play either by yourself or with your kids instead of having the iPad on so they can watch TV or a a video in the back as you drive, uh, you may look at your picture. You may not be old enough to remember playing like I Spy, things like that Mm -hmm. uh, in driving driving games uh, to keep kids occupied for long drives. But, you know, we used to play games where we'd we'd improve our ability to, to notice things. So playing games like that, there's some there's some tips and games in in both the free reports, but the, specifically the one for adults covers that. Um, 
both of them, the one for kids is, you know, tips to help your child improve focus and remember better. And that covers in more depth the, the three steps to um, the steps to memory. And also it, it, it starts touching on five different ways on how you can help kids improve their focus. Because a lot of kids, if you ask them, will say, well, if you describe the three steps to them, so here are the steps to memory. Where do you think you're having trouble in, in this particular class? Which step is tripping you up? And most of them will say recall. Most of them will go, I, I, I know it's in there, I just can't get it out. And that may be true for, for many. In my experience, in my belief, most of the kids aren't actually paying attention, whether they're paying attention in school and they're not paying attention when they actually do the, the H word, the homework. Or they're not being asked mm -hmm. the question, you know, what'd you learn in, in Mrs. Bridger's class today? That's um, that's that's the problem. So there's three, there's five in the in the free report for the kids. Okay. There's five different tools on how to help your kid or student pay attention better in fun ways. One is the no more squirrel tool. One is um, count the ums. There's different things like that that you can one's predicting the future, so it's or guess what's next. So there's different ways that are hopefully presented in a in a kid friendly way that makes it a game, makes it fun, and and helps them improve their focus. Well, great. I know that you're very busy doing lots of different things. What would you say is your current project? My current project is preparing for this coming school year, for one thing. I'm, I'm, I'm booking a lot of uh, presentations. But the other one is I'm getting ready to attempt to break a world record. It's It's been called the Everest of Memory, or Everest of Remembering. And it's first. the first step is I have to memorize the first 10,000 digits of pi in oh, five-digit chunks. So one, four, one, five, nine is the first mm -hmm. five-digit chunks. And I will be in front of a panel of judges, and they'll start a timer, and then one judge will say, one, zero, six, five, four. And I'll have to find that five-digit uh, chunk of pi in my mind, without using notes or anything, obviously, and then be able to say, Okay, the previous, the prior five digits are two five seven two zero, and the following five are eight five eight six three. Next, they'll do fifty five-digit chunks, and I have to get them all right. And the time oh, it takes for them to say the numbers and for me to recall, that's the time. And the record is about fifteen minutes, the world record, and I'm, I'm shooting for ten minutes. So. It's like memorizing a 10,000-word poem. Oh, my God. <laughs> and being able to know, having someone say, okay, the word is periscope. Brad, what's the word in front of periscope and the word after periscope? Periscope, And me knowing what those words are. And then someone going, okay, and the next word is orange. Okay, well, Orange occurs in two places. You want the first one and the second one. The second one, please. Okay, the pre, the word right in front of orange is this. So that's that's what it is. So I'm actually it's a competition for the the world record, but I'm also competing with another memory athlete friend of mine. He and I are both going to do it back to back. We'll be sequestered, so neither one of us will know 
what score the other one got. So okay. we're we're attempting to beat the world record, both of us, and then and we're each attempting other. to beat each other too. So we're going to be live streaming it. I'm not sure when your podcast will come out, but it'll probably be available on YouTube, or I'll also put a link to it on my website, assuming I do well. That is so great. And I know that you're going to nail it, but, man, just listening to you describe what you have to do, like my palms are sweating. I don't even have to do this, but I am just totally withdrawing out of fear. <laughs> Well, and that, that, again, comes from it's kind of like if there's a lot of people, I think a good analogy is there's a lot of people that, that think they're they're not good artists. And a lot of times there's some very good reasons for that. You know, once we turn a certain age and we get frustrated because what we draw doesn't look like what we think it should look like and a lot of us right. give it up. But according to art teachers, that that's, that's fixable. We just have to work at it. Memory is the same way. So I guess it's kind of like me saying, oh, yeah, in, in a couple of weeks I'm going to go you know, draw a masterpiece and uh, you should try it too. And that's really not realistic. But, you know, maybe you can do a little sketch and feel like, well, I, you know, my, I, I could improve my drawing ability if I work at it. And maybe that's something I want to choose to spend my time on. And I think memory certainly is one of those things that's worth trying to just attempt a few of the techniques and see if they work. And if they work, maybe maybe you remember two extra names from, you know, the fall end of summer barbecue. And that's right. great. You remembered two more people and, and made them happy that you remembered their names. And that's maybe that's enough. And maybe if you're a um, you know, a elite educator, maybe you need to really grab this and, and go, okay, how can I teach my students to remember better? Because that would make my life a whole lot easier. It surely would. And not just your life, but that kid for the next year and the year after and really avoid some of those awful nights where they're sitting doing their homework thinking, I just don't remember this stuff or I can't remember what I'm supposed to remember. And and we ch chatted a little bit about parents and getting them involved. And I think this is just great for the whole family to really talk about how do you remember things and why is it so important and how can this benefit you. And you shared tons of strategies. We know you're an expert. Gosh, you've won medals and co-captain of Team USA. It's so exciting. And I appreciate you sharing all your knowledge. Well, thank you very much. I, I, I hope people uh, can take this and, and feel empowered by it and um you know whether it's whether it's me or just doing a Wikipedia or Google search on on how to help kids remember better. It's a really valuable thing to to do, and it it really does help improve the classroom. Absolutely, and thank you so much for taking time out of your day to share with us what you did. And I'm definitely going to link up those resources so folks can get on there and get some ideas for memory, and then of course focusing on kids and they're going to love playing the games that you shared. So thanks for putting those together as well. Thank you. And if anybody needs any help, I'm passionate about this, have them drop me an email and I'll, uh, I'll troubleshoot. I'll, I'll point people in the right direction, whether it's a resource I have or someone else I know has. And, um, you know, we're all here to help make the lives of the students better. And I will share your social media links in the show notes. But real quick, how can we find you? Okay, for the adult stuff, it's bradzuff.com, and they're probably scrambling to write that down right now, and that's fine because it's probably not <laughs> something you need to put into long-term memory, but it's B-R-A-D-Z-U-P-P.com. For kids, my kids' site, uh, for the 
for the arts and the arts and education stuff I do. It's exceptionalassemblies.com, which is easier to remember my name than my name because you just think of why well, I, I yeah I'd love it if we had an exceptional assembly. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Brad. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much, Christian. I appreciate it. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, wasn't that a super cool episode or what? I hope you've reflected on yourself as a learner, but also had a chance to really think about your students and, you know, oh, maybe that is why Johnny is really struggling or maybe that's why Sally is sitting there taking the information in and then on a test just doesn't do well. This is really going to help me work with parents or what have you. I am so glad that Brad had the opportunity to reach out and, and say, hey, I think this could really be helpful for your audience. And he's right, 100% helpful. Make sure you visit the show notes page. Just go to alwaysalesson.com. You'll see a tab at the top called Podcasts, and you can find all your information there on podcast episodes. See how you can connect with Brad. See some takeaways that he has there, some websites where he gives you some cool freebies. And definitely give him a shout-out and let him know what you've learned. He'd love to hear from you. Well, all right, elite educators, I know you are now reignited with your passion and your potential. That is a wrap for this week's bonus edition interview with Brad Zupp. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered. This podcast is sponsored by the Educators Podcast Network, a podcast network that encourages you to think about your profession and succeed in the world of education. Whether you're a first-year educator or a seasoned veteran, there is a podcast for you. All of the shows are produced by educators who want to shape education through meaningful discussion and content. So head on over to edupodcast.com for more details.